There will be spoilers ahead. Lots of spoilers, so be careful, won't you? Hello there, all you folks and out there. This here is Maxwell Polka, and here's with my brother, Mikhail Polka. Hello there, you betcha. We are the Polka Brothers. Yeah, and we're here telling you that we're pretty steamed. Yeah, sure. But this here podcastings, and we got their movies from the rockin' and rollins, and movies from their hipping hopping, and now their movie from their blues. But we don't got no movies from their greatest music genre of all. That's right. There are their polka movies. And don't you bring up Mr. Weirdness Alphonse Yankovic. No way. He's a fine musician, but his movies only use their polka in an incidental basis. That don't count. Yeah, you talk to them, Mikhail. This has me so ding-dang mad by Yemeni. Language? Oh, sorry, sorry, you betcha. Didn't mean to lose control like that there. I don't know myself no more. I get so peeved. But we got this here episode of What's So Funny? Hey, yeah, don't you know to get to? But our voices and the voices of the vastness of the Polka Nation will be heard by Gar. Yeah, Polka now, Polka now, Polka now. Okay, polka, okay, no need to get with the rowdiness just yet. There's Sorry. going to be talking about Jan Landesen's 1980 film and cinema, Their Blues and Brothers. And that's okay for now, by golly, but you just watch yourselves, you betcha. But first, we start with their Poland question. Question. You are a so loon. We, Do you know that? <laughs> Details. <laughs> if, no, if people have, didn't already know that, they haven't been paying attention. Last week we asked, what is your favorite fake cinematic band from movies, TVs, cartoons, whatever? Harriet Roberts said Josie and the Pussycats. Now, she did not specify the live-action movie or the cartoons. Or in outer space. <laughs> so that... So, no bu- no free bumpy pucks for you, Harriet. Aww. Sorry. Lauren Buxbaum comes in first with Spinal Tap, mm. followed immediately by Tony Merrill, who says Spinal Tap. <laughs> uh, he also says honorable mention should go to the Lone Rangers, which was, uh, what's his name? Brendan Fraser's band in the movie Airheads. Oh. Dave! Dave! <laughs> says, hands down, it's Matt Damon. Matt Damon! <laughs> Matt Damon's band in Eurotrip. He oh. kills it singing Scotty Doesn't Know early in the show. Hmm. That is pretty funny. Uh, he also, my wife liked Hugh Grant's band from Music and Lyrics. So this is her answer, and I wish I had thought of it. I don't know that one. Me either. Yeah. Uh, Aaron Perez ch- agrees with Dave, saying, this is what I've been thinking too, best cameo in film history. Tony Kellner says the Partridge Family, or do they count since they did albums? Considering that only two of them actually sing, never mind, nobody plays an instrument, I'm going to go with Mm. their fake. (laughs) I will allow it. Charles Forsyth, another vote for Spinal Tap, but for Runners Up, he has, or Runner Ups, is it Runners Up or Runner Ups? Runners Up. Runners Up, we have the Ruttles, sure, Mm. the Folksmen from Mighty Wind, Wild Stallions, Phoebe Buffet, and of course, Sonic Death Monkey. Oh, wait, Sonic Death Monkey. You know this one. I do, I do. They were renamed Kathleen Turner Overdrive. Oh, what is it from? I can't remember. It's from High Fidelity. It's Jack Black's band. Oh, that's right. He also asked, do the monkeys count? They started as a fake band, but became more real. Uh, that's that's I, tricky. I, I'm going to say prefab mm, for. Yeah, but the thing is, the monkeys not only, admittedly, only like one or two of them could play anything ahead of time. Mm. Davy was aces on the maracas. Um, <laughs> they all learned to play, even those that couldn't, and eventually wrote their own songs and stuff. So yeah, I think they sort of started as a fake band and became one. They're kind of a crossover, I think. I want to say they're gray area. Because okay. initially, right. no, and they weren't meant to be. In fact, some of them, to this day, Mickey Dolenz is like, I was hired to be an actor. I wasn't hired to be in a band. Mm. So, you know, what things turned out to be is a different story. So we'll gray area that one. Yeah, okay. Regan McStravick says, Blues Brothers for music. I have the most extraordinary coincidence to report. 
However, I should probably also mention Steve Zahn's band, no, no idea what they were called, in Knights of Badassdom, as a musical plot point, and I worked on that film. Oh, wow. Oh, neat. Some somewhat similar plot device to the aforementioned Matt Damon Matt character Damon. band, though arguably an even more important element of the story since it is established in the film that only heavy metal music can be counted on to save the world from demons. Well, duh. Uh, <laughs> sure. However, Regan also puts in an edit point. It's been a while since I've seen the film. I was misremembering a bit. It is Ryan Quantin's character that has the band, not Steve Zahn. Well, all right, but only because you caught yourself. You get that box of bumpy pucks after all. Lucky him. Yep. <laughs> uh, Nick Hoffman says, has to be Spinal Tap for too many reasons. Julie was a roadie on one of their tours. Ooh, neat. Ah, I'm also fond of... And he puts in a uh, clip from the way outs from the, from the Flintstones. <laughs> yep. We're going way out. Way, way out. out. Yep. That's where the fun is. Way out. Way out. Val, come cue my footsteps. Coons says, I'm another for Spinal Tap. I'd also say any of the groups in a mighty wind. Yep. But let's not forget the mosquitoes. <laughs> <laughs> let's forget the mosquitoes. Let's shall try. we? <laughs> let's try hard. Adam Mark says, the wonders. Featuring a fictional one-hit wonder band in the mid-1960s. See our entire episode on That Thing You Do. Um, excuse, Tom Hanks, excuse me, I hmm? think it's pronounced O'Neaters. Uh, that comes up in the next one. <laughs> oh. Tom Hanks' directorial debut. It's a charmer of a film. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. My, my love-to-hate-it fictional band is the Brady Bunch Band. <laughs> Never was there a more transparent, money-grab, hoodwink-the-public effort Especially the animated version. Oh, God, I keep trying to forget that. It's embarrassing to listen to it. At least the Partridge family had heart, Danny and Reuben. <laughs> um, okay. I don't remember <laughs> Reuben being part of the band. Well, but he, he was the heart, and I guess. Danny, yes, real quick. Apparently, the guy who played Reuben used to let the guy who played Danny, very underage, drive around and stuff like the bus when they weren't <laughs> filming. <laughs> oh, dear. Ugh. Derek Steele, agent of S.H.I.E.L.D., no. says, says, the Oneaters, a.k.a. Uh. the Wonders. I can't shake that catchy little hit, that thing you do. Or the Gorillas, with a Z, not in cinema, but I know we share a love for their cartoon, cartoon world of fantastical music. Well, now yeah. the Gorillas have played. They are kind of a, a band. I mean, they have albums and stuff. Yeah. Or sort of the Brady Bunch, I'm sure. Yeah, they, well, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Dr. Professor Rebecca Pelkey brings up, here's a deeper, Dingoes Ate My Baby. Huh? That is from, that is one of the characters' bands from the TV show Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Uh, okay. Yeah, because I haven't yep. seen it. Stacy Otremba, who I don't think we've heard from before. No. Hi, Stacy. Says, Powerline. It's from, uh, I believe, the Goofy movie. Okay. Yep. Uh, Roland Hardy says, the band in the bar in Star Wars. <laughs> they must have had a name. I'm sure they do. I'm sure that not only do is. they, but they are all separate. They all have their own action figures. <laughs> <sighs> they all have they all have uh, fan written novels about each of their backstories. Yeah. Uh, Daddy issues. Yep. <laughs> Slug issues, whatever. <laughs> yeah. uh, Harry McCracken says the Ruttles. See our entire episode on the Ruttles. Yeah. Also, Jonathan and Darlene Edwards. Oh, I have no yeah. Idea. Um, you have to look them up. I do know of them, but it was one of those things where I believe their big thing was that she would sing very loudly, but not very well. Uh, um, don't okay. quote me on that, but I think I know who he's talking about. Okay. Uh, Daniel Howe has another vote for monkeys. I assume he means the band and not the animal. Like, are uh, they the, is, at, she the one, wait, is she the one who did the new karaoke? It might be. Oh, is that her? Might Darlene be, Edwards? but again, okay. don't quote me on that. Look it up, folks. Okay. Sorry. George, sure. Uh, Chrissy Becker Krenitsky, I think also a first time. No, timer. she's been here. She was here no, last she, week. Chrissy's, okay. The Hex Girls from Scooby-Doo and the Witch's Ghost. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, yep. That's a deeper right there. <laughs> Dave Meiselman says, I'd be another vote for Spinal Tap, but another one would be Stillwater from the movie Almost Famous. Ooh, good one. Mm. Got about them. It's here entire and, episode on Almost Famous. And his expert in all movies, all movie music of the white, great white north, Vince, says, I like the band The Carrie Nations. 
in Beyond the Valley of the Dolls. Oh, dear God. <laughs> Campy and fun, but I also have a special place in my heart for the alien opera singer in The Fifth Element. Oh, sure. Also Campy and fun. Yes, the diva, sure. Yeah, so I unfortunately have seen Beyond the Valley of the Dolls, the, as far oh, as I dear. know, only screenplay brought to the cinema by <laughs> our old pal Roger Ebert. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Um, yeah. It was at a uh, a schlock around the clock festival, and mm-hmm. I saw it in a theater. <laughs> I don't recommend but, it. <laughs> well, these are all awesome and mostly very varied answers. Yeah. But Mike, who's your favorite non-real sort of band? Oh, I'm going to have to go with the Honeybees because how could oh, you? Of course, <laughs> the well, the counter band to the mosquitoes. No, honestly, it's now here's we have another gray area because they were yeah. made for a movie. But then mm-hmm. they also made albums and toured, and that's the commitments. Oh, and we're going to be okay. coming back to them this week. I have a All feeling, right. a strange feeling. Oh, but yeah, I re- they were amazing. They were real. There's a bunch they of Irish terrific. kids and a couple I mean, of soul music. Yeah, doing R and B, and they were really good at it. And that was, yeah. of course, the whole point of the movie. But yeah, I think I might go with the commitments. How about you? I got to go with Spinal Tap, yeah. and also. Billy Mack from Love Actually, Bill Nighy's character, hmm. who is just so much fun as the aging rock star. He does his song. Basically, they give him credit for doing that song, uh, What Love Is All Around, or what is it? You know, it's feel it in my fingers, I feel it in my toes. Hmm. Only he does a Christmas version. He is friggin' hilarious. Huh. That's fun. Yeah, kids, listen to your Uncle Billy. Don't buy drugs. <laughs> Become a pop star and people give them to you for free. <laughs> yeah, that's something. We do but, not uh, prescribe drugs. We don't advocate we, drugs. We just prescribe them. We just them. prescribe that's them. What it is. Thank there's you, another, Rock and Roll Doctor. Uh, there's deeper there. Those were terrific. Thank you. And yeah. we want more. We're not done. This, this one also inspired by this week's movie. I hope so. What movie soundtrack made you go, I have got to listen to more of this person's music or this oh. genre of music? Oh. Yeah. What basic? What m- movie got you on a musical journey? I think it's going to be Spinal Tap. <laughs> it's entirely possible. Yeah, and uh, we will tell you how to answer that question at the end of the show, in case you don't need to, in case you don't already know. Yes. But now, tell us more about stuff about the movie. Which movie? Okay, the Blues Brothers. Thank you, because you not actually said it in English. <laughs> I, I realize it's hard to translate from my flawless Swedish. <laughs> You're I apologize little... to the entire nation of Sweden. Yeah, you're um, a little meatball. <laughs> short and stout. Um. <laughs> the facts. So the genesis, as it were, of the Blues Brothers yeah. came from a 19, it was 1976 episode of Saturday Night Live. This is not really a Saturday Night Live movie. Lorne Michaels isn't involved. He didn't do the writing. Uh, the director is John Landis. But I was going to ask that to. question later on. And the writers are him and Dan Aykroyd actually wrote part of the original script. Sort of. We'll get, we'll get to that. <laughs> yeah. Well, he wrote a lot, let's just say. Yeah. Eventually, the original script was found within it. But uh, like I say, 1976, it was a running gag with the musical director, Howard Shore, very famous fella. And his band, they would show up as Howard Shore and his all-bee band. They'd all be dressed in their costumes from the Killer Bee sketches. And they did the Slim Harpo song, I'm a King Bee, with Belushi singing and Aykroyd playing the harmonica. And people were like, hey, this is pretty good. Then in 78, the great guitarist Arlen Roth was performing with Art Garfunkel, also on Saturday Night Live. And uh, Art Garfunkel was the host. And before the actual live show, Belushi and Aykroyd asked Roth and a few others to join them on stage in the outfits that would later become the Blues Brothers' look. Roth taught Belushi the lyrics to Rocket 88 so they could perform it that night. (laughs) Yeah. Wow. Now, this movie, the budget was almost $30 million. Not when they started, it wasn't. (laughs) No, it was 17. Yeah, this movie... To give you an idea, this is 1980. This was one of the most expensive movies made. To give you a comparison, Steven Spielberg's contemporary film, the year before, 1941, I mean, the year before was 1979, but the film is called 1941, cost $35 million. There's a rumor that Landis and Spielberg were kind of engaged in a friendly rivalry 
to make who could make the more expensive movie. Yeah. They said it was amiable because they were both friends at the time and uh, they have cameos in each other's films. Mm. Uh, both films, by the way, feature, you know, 1941 and Blues Brothers feature Dan Aykroyd, John Belushi, and John Candy. Spielberg, of course, ended the friendship after a <clears throat> incident on Twilight Zone, the movie. Yeah. Even though John Landis was acquitted in court of criminal charges. Yeah, we'll probably come back to that. Rest in peace, Vic Morrow. Yeah. Um, and the two kids. Yeah, yeah. In 1978, the Blues Brothers actually released their debut album, Briefcase Full of Blues, and they opened for the Grateful Dead. They uh, eventually released a second album that was basically the soundtrack for the movie. And uh, they didn't do a lot more because John Belushi died in 1982. Yeah, I'm sure we'll come back to that, too. Yeah. Like I said, the budget was $30 This was considered, domestically, it was a bomb. It didn't make money. Until they did it in overseas distribution when it made $115 million. Total, to be fair. Total. The, there yes, was slightly more made overseas, and they say, I saw something that said that this was probably the first film that did better in the international market than it did mm. domestically. Yeah. A world record at the time, number of cars <laughs> are wrecked in this film. 103. <laughs> now, this record only stood for two years. A movie which I'm sure you remember called The Junk Man. Oh, huh? Yeah, I don't never heard of it. It wrecked 150 cars and a plane. Just as a side note, that record held for two decades until there was a movie that wrecked over 300 cars. You want to guess which one that was? Two decades, so we're putting it somewhere in the early 2000s. Yes. Was it? A, it wasn't a Bond film. No. Was it? Wasn't a Fast and the Furious? Was it? No. Then I don't know. It was the Matrix Reloaded. Oh, right, that ridiculous... Yes, the highway yeah. scene. That yeah. makes sense. Sure. John Belushi was nicknamed the Black Hole because he went through hundreds of pairs of sunglasses during production. He'd do a scene and then lose the pair before filming the next one. Huh, that's not why I would think they'd call him that, but we'll come back no, to that. No, we'll come back to that too, yeah. <laughs> Henry Gibson introduces his... <laughs> yeah, talk about an odd choice for a head of the American, or the in this case... Uh, yeah, basically the American Nazi Party, or it's the American Socialist White People's Party, yeah. the acronym of which is ASWPP, or Asswipe. <laughs> uh, they did that on purpose. The Bluesmobile drives under the elevated train at 118 miles an hour. Wow. The film crew got permission to clear the street for 200-mile-an-hour passes. Stunt pedestrians were added after the first pass to add realism. Dan Aykroyd, as we were hinting, his original script was titled The Return of the Blues Brothers. It was 324 pages. It was also... It was in... I was going to say, it's also not in script format. <laughs> no, it was intended to be a two-part film. Landis spent three weeks paring the script down. Yeah. As a joke, the script was so long that Aykroyd bound it in the covers of the Los Angeles Yellow Pages. Yeah, I'd read that it was more stream of consciousness than it was actually a script. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah... For the 30th anniversary of this movie, the Vatican newspaper L'Osservatore Romano called the film a Catholic classic, recommending it really? as good viewing for Catholics. Interesting, because I'm going to come back to that. Okay. One of the high points to me in this movie is Cap Calloway, mm. who does an awesome rendition of, me, of his big hit, Minnie the Moocher. He recorded that in 1930. The chorus was simply, Hody Hody rather than Hody Hody Ho. In an interview, he explained at one point he was singing the song and he suddenly forgot the words. <laughs> so he immediately shouted, Hody 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 Ho, and carried on the song that way, and that was more popular, yeah. so he just stuck with it. According to Dan Aykroyd, the film's budget also included a cocaine allowance to help yeah. the cast and crew stay awake during night shoots. Belushi kind of enjoyed it more than most and felt it enhanced his performance. Did, did uh, Real quick, did you find out inf information about the bar? Yeah, yeah, but I didn't include it. Okay. There's a lot of other stuff. Before the falling Pinto scene, the one where the neo-Nazis are, <laughs> the car is, and they actually, by the way, on a skyhook, <laughs> dropped that car from like 200 feet. Before they could do it, the filmmakers had to get an air unworthiness certificate from the FAA for the car. 
This was done by conducting preliminary drop tests to ensure it would, in fact, drop like a brick when dropped from a great height. And what did they think it was going to drop like? I don't know. Maybe they thought the Pinto would burst into flame. Well, to be fair, it was a wagon, so it wasn't the same Mm. issue, but... Yeah. Yeah. According to Landis, John Belushi sprained his back falling down the stairs from the desk of the Penguin's office, and he was in a back brace and on painkillers, among other things, for the rest of the filming. At Bob's Country Bunker gig, Jake introduces Stand By Your Man saying it's a favorite of the horn section. The horn section does not play in that song. (laughs) Well, it could still be their favorite. They just don't play it. There was an original member of the Blues Brothers band who is not in the film. Oh, yeah. Paul the Shiv Schaefer, who was in the Saturday Night Live band before he became Dave Letterman's wow, sidekick. Wow, that's wild. That's, that's yeah. yeah. Yeah, you're a fresh kick, Dave. Uh, he was supposed to be in it, but according to uh, his his own memoir, he was working on the movie Gilda Live, you know, with Gilda Radner, and John Belushi fired him for being disloyal to the band. When John Belushi wasn't on set, he went everywhere in Chicago, and when he did... Everyone was slipping him vials and packets of coke. Mm. This was in addition what he, to what he could procure or have procured for himself, often consumed in his trailer or at the private bar on set he built for himself, his longtime friends, the cast, and any visiting celebrities. John Landis had, had given, of all people, Carrie Fisher the job <laughs> to keep Belushi away from drugs, like, okay, Fox, Henhouse, sure, if she could, and she said everyone who had a job there also dealt, and the patrons could and did score almost anything. Well, now, to be fair, she's a perfect choice. She was Dan Aykroyd's girlfriend at the time. Who better? Yes. In (laughs) fact, she was his fiance after he saved her life from choking with a Heimlich maneuver. Oh, that... Yeah. Are you okay? Will you marry me? Apparently the answer was no. (laughs) Eventually, anyway. (laughs) No, eventually, no. No, she married Paul Simon, of all people. Well, he's closer to her height. <laughs> hey, Dan Aykroyd's like nine feet tall. Well, she isn't. That's the point. <laughs> no, she is a, she is a, she was an adorable little woman. Yes. There's a ton of other stuff. I really recommend you look it up, especially, you know, they created entire backstories and personas for Jake and Elwood that went way beyond the movie. Pity they never show up, but we'll come back to that. Yeah. Yeah. They were supposed to. They were, you know, they were talking, they wanted to do a sequel and 20 years later... There was one, sort of, starring Dan Aykroyd and John Goodman. Is that sort of like that fourth Indy Jones film that never happened? Yes, Or the that fifth one. Indy Jones film nope, that never happened? Nope, nope, that we don't talk about. Yeah, kind of. It was the Blues Brothers and the Crystal Skull, yeah. <laughs> I'd rather have seen that. <laughs> That's just pain. That one is just... I've seen it. Oh. I saw Blues Brothers 2000. That's too bad. It hurts. Yeah. But we should get to the plot. Oh, yes. By the way, do you know anything about this movie? Uh, just a little couple couple little tiny things. One of which is, mm-hmm. uh, I don't even know if they're still around. I guess they are the original House of Blues, which was oh, ostensibly opened by the remaining oh, yeah. blues brother, meaning Dan Aykroyd, amongst other people, mm-hmm. including uh, River Phoenix, of all people, opened uh. in Harvard Square. Oh, that's right. And they used to have one of the, there were apparently there were 13, I don't know if it was one of the originals or not, there were 13 bluesmobiles, and they used to have a bluesmobile with the speaker wandering around, just like they were doing to try and get people to go to the big gig at the end of this film. They would oh, have I never it, saw that. Yeah, they would, it used to park in the Charles Hotel's uh, uh, parking garage, but they used to drive that around and play R&B music, which is interesting because the... Blues Brothers don't ever play blues music, but that's okay. Mm-hmm. But they used to have it drive around with that giant speaker on it playing music to get people interested in the House of Blues. And at one point, again, I don't know if it's still there, the owners of the House of Blues, including Dan Aykroyd and River Phoenix, had their butt prints and cement outside oh, of it. Oh, that's right. I remember. <laughs> but I tried to forget. Yeah. It was it was it was actually a cool little place, but it was just mm. the wrong location. It's like it wasn't yeah. it didn't there weren't enough people to go not to. enough foot traffic yeah. yeah they wanted it to be i think to be like the hard rock but yeah yeah um, planet hollywood or something yeah but that was that was my little extra yeah. thing cool extra added value <laughs> to your free now, podcast let's get to the plot <laughs> yeah good luck with that jake blues john belushi is fresh out of prison he and his brother elwood dan Aykroyd, go to visit the orphanage where they grew up and the nun or the penguin <laughs> and janitor 
who raised them only to discover that due to a new $5,000 tax assessment, the orphanage is being shut down. Pledging to get the money, Jake and Elwood need to put on a show. Lacking a barn, not to mention lacking Mickey Rooney and Judy Garland, <laughs> they decide to reform their old rhythm and blues band. So they set out across the greater Chicago area on a mission from Gad in a wild car chase filled romp, trying to convince their old bandmates to return, all the while dealing with Illinois Nazis, outstanding traffic warrants, destruction of property, mass destruction of property, a Winnebago filled with good old boys, virtually every member of Illinois law enforcement, and a surprisingly well-armed Carrie Fisher, who has it in for Jake, it seems. Aided by a cavalcade of absolute musical legends, yeah. Jake and Elwood pursue their most worthy and God-anointed quest, handing money over to Steven Spielberg. <laughs> Who's dire need of it. <laughs> yep, yep. God, well, back then, no, no, he was already doing pretty well with Jaws. The film. So, have you you've seen this before? Not in the theater. I oh. saw it on videotapes at some point in the eighties. I don't remember. I, I when. saw it when it came out. This does not surprise me. Um, now here's here's a, a question. Um, when you saw it in the theater, being the big yeah. SNL fan that you are. Yeah. Did you consider it an SNL film? I know you said that it really kind of isn't, but at the time, I would didn't, you have? I uh, No, honestly, I wouldn't have. If nothing else, it's not like any of the others in that it's good. I'm sorry, Donna. <laughs> no, no, World. that's not fair. Wayne's World is good, and I'm done. Um, well, and if you consider last week's film a SNL film. I, I guess. We decided yeah, it was kind of. It was true, like so many true. alum it's in it. Yeah, that, that's fair. I, but believe me, the bad ones way outweigh the good ones. Well, and to be fair, we haven't really gotten into, by 1980, we haven't gotten into the time period of there being actual SNL films. Yeah. Because this was, this was really the first closest. If they had been I'm, more like this, I think they yeah. would have been more successful. <laughs> yes, very likely. I When I saw the Blues Brothers on SNL, they blew me away. I thought it was amazing. I was like, that isn't really them, is it? Yeah. And watching Belushi dance. Yeah. Say now, what you admittedly, will. they they use a stunt double for some of like the tumbling runs. Yeah. But he, for all his bulk, he is unbelievably both agile and graceful. Yeah. I think it's, it's amazing. I think Jack Black has yeah, very similar. And I don't think he's copying or anything. I just think Jack Black has an amazing passion for music, and mm -hmm. is somebody who, despite his size, can move any way he wants. The thing is, he has the athleticism. I haven't seen him be particularly graceful when he dances. And the things that both he and Ackroyd, you can tell Ackroyd's not quite as good at it as Belushi no. is. No. But the things that Belushi does often just fly in the face of physics. Like, <laughs> Yeah. Like, wait, neither of his feet are touching the floor for like 10 seconds. What's going on? His weird little capering and dancing. Yeah. Which... Probably cocaine-fueled. It might have helped. Yeah. <laughs> well, Ackroyd, of the two, musically, I think is the less talented, at least vocally. He can sing, but his range is much more limited than Belushi's. Yeah. He's really good on the harmonica. Yeah. Well, do we want to get to the cast? Because Yeah, let's get to the cast. Yeah. We, I mean, I the big two. Because well, <laughs> after that, we have a couple of bit parts, and then it's all musicians yeah. who, it's all musicians let's face who it, aren't, they're, yeah. they're not there for their acting. No. No, I, I would walk barefoot over broken glass and barbed wire to hear, to have heard Aretha Franklin sing. She's not an actor. No. And she never was. She's nope. not supposed to be. Nope. But anyway. Where do you want to start? Let's start with John. Let's start with John. It's Jake, <laughs> yeah. it's Jake Blues. I mean. Yeah. He becomes Jake Blues. It's amazing that they disappear into the characters. Well, and I'm going to do a little bit more about this later, but he mm -hmm. only does the Don Belushi eyebrow raise once, as opposed well, to like... Because we only see his eyes once in the movie. Right. When he is begging for his life from Carrie Fisher. And once we do with Dan Aykroyd, I want to come back yeah. to a little something, but John Belushi okay. is exactly what you want him to be. He's exactly yep. what you saw him on the, the Saturday Night Live sketches. He, and it's slightly expanded <laughs> i do mean slightly. slightly yeah but uh he's this is him at his his peak unfortunately yeah it's a sh he died too soon yeah but 
This is peak Belushi. Yeah. Basically. This and Animal House here. Entire episode yeah. of Animal House. Yep. Aykroyd, I, I love his deadpan delivery. And I just, I like it the way that weird speech patterns he ha he has. Yes. I don't it's, know if I've seen him better except for mm. Fred Garvin, male prostitute. <laughs> <laughs> he's done some really interesting things and he's done a lot of movie stuff since. But he's, this is, I hate to put it this way. This is a lean, tight Dan Aykroyd. Yeah. And he's, yes. there's, he's not overplaying it at all. If anything, he's slightly underplaying it. And you're, mm -hmm. if you're next to John Belushi, competing with him probably isn't a good idea. No, and he doesn't try. No. That's the thing. Neither of them are trying. Well, Belushi can't help blowing other people off the screen or sort of overwhelming. Right. But Aykroyd is smart enough that he's not trying to one-up him. He's just sort of like right there with him. He's the complimentary character. Yeah. And he does mm, one of, if not his best performances, I think. As a yeah. comedic actor. It, Do I like him in Ghostbusters? Sure. But he's not mm -hmm. doing nearly as much as he is here. And when he's dancing and playing the harmonica, there's points where he's nearly as fun to watch as Belushi is. And yeah. that, the athleticism needed for that is nuts. That's one of the things about their performances is you can see the joy in it. Yeah. They love what they're doing. Yeah. Who's next for uh, an actor? Because there's well, not many. <laughs> there aren't a lot. Well, there are a lot of actors, but they mostly have very small parts. John Candy yeah. has, what, five lines? He, I mean, he's fun. Burton Mercer, I kind of want to know more about him because he's just so darn good-natured. Even when he's hauling himself out of a car wreck. Yeah. Uh, he, so he's fun. He but was, he's what, just, it was even on SCTV at this point? Uh, by that, by 1980, yeah, I think they were still on. But he wasn't I really so. like even John Candy yet, was he? He had not become a big name. Mm. I don't think he he did that for uh, until he started making movies. Do we want to count Frank Oz? Because mostly he's a director or a puppeteer. But well, he also he's in one scene. So yeah, I think he's great. I don't know if you but you, but I remember the first time I saw this because I had never seen Frank Oz before. I didn't uh -huh. know who he was. No, I hadn't either. I had no idea what he looked but like. But as soon as he started talking, I started <laughs> laughing my ass yeah. off because <laughs> uh, there's that voice. Yeah, here's your wallet. <laughs> And it's like, that's really what Frank Oz sounds like. like. Oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> and how about Carrie Fisher, who, by the way, her character has no name. She is listed as Mystery Woman. Oh. Um, yeah. She's fine with what the little they give her to do. She doesn't have anything to do, but she is. She has that really kind of nice, tightly wound quality. Yeah. And I love the fact that her, you know, her beauty parlor is called the Curl Up and Die. <laughs> D-Y-E. Yep. Yeah. Uh, and she's fine with when, when she's around, basically the movie turns into a Warner brothers cartoon because she hits them with a rocket launcher. A building falls on them. They brush themselves off. Yeah. They don't say a word. They don't mention like, Oh, someone just shot a rocket at us. How interesting. They just leave. And that won't be the last time that there's something cartoonishly comedic oh, this in this movie film. is very, car very cartoony, which yep, is fine, yep. which is fine. Um, Henry Gibson is strangely <laughs> menacing <laughs> as... And Henry Gibson, what? I think he goes back to laughing and, I mean, he was a performer before that, but I think he's like probably best known for being a bit player on laughing and maybe the yeah. Smothers Brothers. I can't remember. Mm. And he was like known for doing little comedy poems. He's actually done, does one on an episode of the Dick Van Dyke oh. show. Oh, And okay. he ran for president once, I think. Yes, he did. Um, and he's he, the... Wait, are you sure that wasn't Pat Paulson? I think they both did. Oh, okay. I didn't know Gibson did. But oh. I think that he's generally seen as this little charming individual and certainly and the, here's the scary part is he technically is blonde and blue-eyed so it works to yeah. his favor <laughs> but he's short yeah well you know but we've seen him be kind of creepy and strange we saw that in the long goodbye yes remember he was the doctor yeah but so he can do that this was an odd part for him but i think he does really well with it and like the other ones he's sort of grabbing it and just taking off with it as little yep. as it is um i do want to bring up another uh, actor i don't know if you recognized him charles napier do you know charles yes. Napier? he's done everything but there's he's one been a specific hundred... thing you know well, you will know him like from. what you might but remember which... when he was stepping into eden yay oh, brother that was him that was charles napier i he had no Adam. idea now that 
Now that you say it, of course it was him. His name was Adam. I never thought of that. Yeah. Oh, God. He played from the, the way to Eden on the gonna, original Star gonna Trek. Going to crack my knuckles and jump for joy. I got a clean bill of health from, from Dr. Dr. McCoy. McCoy. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Because he has been in tons of yeah. stuff. He does a lot of voice acting. He plays a lot of bad guys, a lot of heavies. Yeah. And he does here, too. He plays yeah. whomever the good old boy. I don't remember his name. Yeah. But, yep. Uh, I don't know. Cletus. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> Kathleen Freeman, who plays Sister Mary Stigmata, Perfectly. the penguin, per pitch perfect. <laughs> I when I saw it, I thought, oh wow, they got a real nun to do this. Well, the part where she's just like, as soon as they start saying anything that's remotely swear like, and she starts smacking with the ruler, and then they can't help themselves. <laughs> they keeps like, oh, they you know, blaspheme, blaspheme, yeah. blaspheme, and she just keep. Finally, she just picks up like I don't know what it is, a tire iron or whatever that was. <laughs> She's just like continuously like beating them. Or yep, and yep. my favorite part, when they're leaving, they've go, they're at the bottom of the stairs and she's looking down at them and lit from below. And I figure what her final pronouncement is, but she glides back into the room and the yeah, door shuts. The door closes by itself. <laughs> yeah. She's been in everything. I'm, she's been, if you look at her IMDb page, she's got over 300 entries. Good for her. She yeah, was hilarious. She, she's one of the she, few laugh out loud moments for me. Oops, I might she, be getting ahead of myself. Uh -oh. But yeah, uh -huh. she was perfect. After that, for the most part, it's performers. Yeah. It's it's musicians. Well, you mi you missed one. Who? Did you catch who the oh. waiter was? He doesn't even have Paul. a line. It's Paul Rubens. Yeah. <laughs> yes, P.B. Herman is in this. But I think he's five. No, no, he's like 20 or something. He's very young. Six. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think actually the name of the restaurant is Shea Paul. Yeah, yeah, it is. But yeah, was he even anybody at that point in 1980? He was just starting out. He was, he, I think he was in a Cheech and Chong movie as Pee Wee Herman. Yeah. But they, I don't believe his TV show was on yet. Yeah. He was not a name. I don't think so either. You know, but yeah, that I think is just a, well. A couple of the police officers are played by actual well, actors. John Landis plays one of them. So yes, he's a Lafon, officer Lafon. Sure, <laughs> but otherwise we have some. Rem I can How do you add amazing and remarkable? Remazing, remarkable performances yep. in here by some uh. of the bigs in rhythm and blues music um, and soul and just music and blue. Yeah, and blues. We start off, I mean, never mind Cab Calloway, who we don't hear sing for a criminally long time. And I didn't time. recognize him. I was like, I know you're somebody. Who are you? Well, he looks radically different, not to mention the sunglasses, but if you don't see him in his classic white no. suit, and as soon as it's he hard was, to recognize. It's like, oh, that's who that is. Yep, <laughs> yeah. yep. Ugh. And my God, they lead off with James Brown, me. the godfather of soul. The right reverend James Brown. Excuse me. Actually, it's the right reverend, reverend Cleotus uh, Cleophas James yes, but is soul brother number one. <laughs> and talk about somebody whose energy level is always at the absolute peak. James Rand, the hardest oh. working man in show business. It's true. Oh, it's true. And even for a movie performance, which, and I think one of the things that I like about the way that the performers are treated musicians is it's obvious that the makers of this film, Belushi, Aykroyd and Landis have an absolute love for this music. And mm. when these people show up, they basically let them perform and get out of the way. Yeah. Point the camera at them and don't bother the nice people. Yeah. And it's, yeah, he blows the play. And you see him doing the classic, you know, James Brown used to sweat something like a gallon and a half yeah. at every show. Yeah. I don't think that was makeup. <laughs> by, by the way, the little bit of trivia in there, the the lead singer, the choir leader. Yeah. That is Shaka Khan. Yeah. Taka 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 Khan. Taka Khan. Yeah, before she was Shaka Khan, really. Well, and the fun part is I read too that where they usually get people to lip sync for things, you know, for obvious reasons. Apparently James Brown was not one of them. He just performed right then and there, and that was him. Um yeah, he's yeah, apparently Aretha was not so good at that, but she wasn't no. used to it. Yeah, so what? She I mean there's Aretha yeah. and she's Aretha. I know we'll get to and her. she's doing, you know, prime Aretha Franklin. We get John Lee Hooker doing his oh famous boom, god, boom boom boom. Who's oh. oh my god, an actual blues man you get to see him perform. Awesome. No, and you it's like, oh, that's funny. I wonder where they hired all those extras. Those weren't extras. People just showed up going, is that John Lee Hooker? Yeah. <gasps> yeah. Just, uh, and then finally Cab Calloway and they dress, the only thing they mm. do with him is they dress him up in the white suit and they do redo the yep. band, but they let him do Minnie the Moocher and Ugh. all the performances and are awesome. Ray Charles, oh, the genius. 
Oh. And obviously has a sense of humor because at one point oh, there's so a shoplifter adorable. and he pulls a gun. <laughs> and he hit, he puts two bullets in the wall right near his head. Yeah. So sad to see, boy, that young go bad. And yet, when they give him the poster to put up, he puts it up upside down. Yeah. And you get the idea that he was in on the gag and didn't care. I Oh, yeah. I mean, Ray he Charles, to... watching him, you know, because, I mean, Ray Charles is like, oh, yeah, he's a legend, blah, 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 blah. Just watching him mm. play and listening to him sing, the tightness of control that man had is... Oh, my God. I, I just was in awe, utter awe. He, he's amazing. This is the movie that got me listening to Ray Charles. Yeah. I started, I, I got, I listened to everything I get my hands on. So we have some amazing performances. I did say mm. that I wanted to sort of come back around because I wanted to talk yep. about the two main characters. Sure. They're not really characters. No, they're kind of, car they're kind of archetypes or ideas. I came up with the idea that they're icons, cutouts, or actually mm. they're really vehicles to move the action and, and the music along. We know mm. almost nothing about them. We yeah. know they're orphans. They were raised in an orphanage in a very poor section of Chicago with Elwood. Jake's been in jail. Well, that's yeah. it. That is all we know. <laughs> Jake's been in prison for three years for sticking up a gas station. Supposedly. Allegedly. <laughs> supposedly to pay off the, ba the band's debts. We don't believe it. <laughs> no. Um, we also know that he had a girlfriend that he jilted, whose name we don't even know. Nope. Apparently she's Romanian. Uh, is she? She says that my father went bankrupt, you know, bringing in a Romanian band or some such. Oh, well, well the band was yeah. Romanian, but but that's literally all we know. That's it. These are we not characters. And this is something that we complain about a lot in films where, like, we don't want to know everything. We don't need to know their mm -hmm. shoe size. We don't need to know what they had for breakfast. We don't need to know they had daddy issues. We, oh, boy, do we not <laughs> need to know that. We need to know something. Half their mm -hmm. performances come from their suits and their sunglasses. <laughs> Let's face it. Oh, there's no facial expressions in a lot of parts because we can't see them. Mm, we can't see their eyes. But it still works. Yeah. And part of it, I think, is one of the things that comes across is their love for each other. Even though there's only like two moments yeah. to me that we see it. One is when Jake gets out of prison and they just hug for a moment and they give these little smiles. Yeah. And the other is when Jake falls asleep on Elwood's bed and Elwood's like, hey, my, get off my bed, you sleaze. And then just looks at him, sighs, and gently covers him with a blanket. Yeah. That's really touching. Well, and apparently they're not even brothers. They're blood brothers. That was, yeah, that was the backstory, right. but... That's right. They cut their fingers with a guitar string, supposedly, that belonged to uh, Elmore James. I read that, and I forgot who, uh, that it was Elmore yeah. James. Mm -hmm. And when, we, when they play, let's face it, neither of them is really a trained singer or musician. They mm -hmm. bring certain skills. I mean, Belushi brings whatever that martial art he knows <laughs> to his performance, but mm -hmm. they're not... Like, they're surrounding themselves with people who play way better than they ever could. It's really the people that they love, you know, or people that have played with the people that they love around them. And they really are just cardboard cutouts. They're, they're, they're not people. They're nothing except they're everything. And we totally mm -hmm. get them. And I can't figure out who we would give credit for that for, but, and it usually does not work, but here somehow it does. And I bet it, that's one of the things that didn't work in 2000, but I don't care because I'm not going to see I'm it. I'm not sure. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's a good point. They, they are. They're enough. As you say, they're just enough character for us to be, to be invested. Yeah. But yeah, they're, they're not, their personalities and such, their, their arc isn't what we're focused on. No. No, what we're focused on is thing in the background, like the billboard with the uh, movie poster for See You Next <laughs> See you Wednesday. Next, <laughs> that's right, which is a John Landis staple, as is the girl from Ipanema, yeah. played in the background. So uh, I did finally find out, I didn't know where he got the title. It's apparently the last line that David Poole's father says to him on the call to the space station in 2001 A Space Odyssey. Oh, okay. Didn't know that. That I don't know uh, why that suddenly became a thing, but basically in every one of Landis's movies, you will see some yeah. reference. In some cases, like see. American Werewolf in London, it's actually, actually a porn. actually see a movie. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Which is really funny. And as yeah. we did in Animal House, it's it's there as well. So that's a that's a cute little thing. Um, how did you feel? Because you, I actually, we don't usually confer before we watch a film, but I went to rent this and I noticed that there mm -hmm. were two versions yeah. There was the regular theatrical version and a unrated version. 
Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know what was rated. Um, <laughs> it wasn't so much rated as, you know, as we said, John Landis pared the movie down. Initially, the first cut was two hours and 40 minutes. Yeah. And the studio said, you got to cut more. And he did. And he got it down to two, two hours, 28 minutes. That's the unrated cut. And they said, John, we need 15 more minutes. Yeah. And he's like, fine. But the unrated cut was released internationally. I think Germany got it first. There is some, there is some differences. Yeah. I, I remember, I mean, we didn't watch them side by side, but I did find a website that did like some comparisons. Oh, cool. In most cases, it's just that the scenes are a little bit longer, particularly the musical performances. Yeah. There's a couple of other things like, uh, we see when El, there's a little bit of dialogue between Jake and Elwood where he says, tomorrow I got to go quit my job. That's not in the original, and, he's, and you know, then he's complaining, you know, Jake is complaining about him being a, a motorhead. And then we see him quit his job. That is not in the original. He goes in, apparently he works at a place that makes spray cans, yeah. which is where he gets the epoxy and the weird chemical he puts in, the magic chemical he puts <laughs> in the cop's tires, which is also not in the original. That whole scene of him sabotaging the cop cars is added. I see... My feeling is I would rather it was cut out. Yeah. Honestly, I've seen, you know, bit of a giveaway. I've seen this movie a number of times. I don't think anything in the extended adds anything. No. Um, I would it I really, would have cut those parts. I would not have cut out the performances. Those could be as long no. as they wanted because... Yeah, those I could stretch as much as they want. Yeah. I just, the even the, I hate to say this, but even the girlfriend part doesn't really add to the overall action or fun. She, is she funny when she's on and with the bazooka and stuff? Is that funny? Yes. Oh, yeah. I don't know how much that adds. And quite honestly, there's parts of this film that I think kind of drag. There are a couple of parts that get a little slower. I don't feel any of it drags. I disagree with you there. I do. I think the whole thing, I think the whole thing really works. Although I got to say the scene with Elwood quitting his job is completely superfluous. Well, and I... The sequence with him hitting on... Twiggy, yeah, I would. Which I don't know what that was doing. There. I either I was going to say the same thing, except well, if Jake has a love interest in Elwood, it's like that whole we we're going to be late to the gig thing, unnecessary. Yeah. I didn't yeah. feel it added. Honestly, anything. that that was that just that that dragged things out a little bit. Yeah. So and uh, a little they tighter. added they did add one th- they did add something I thought was interesting when Curtis Cap Calloway tells the rest of the band about the orphanage. That's not in the original. That's not in the theatrical cut. About and you know and you can tell that oh yeah, Jake promised five thousand dollars of the gate money to pay off the taxes, and the whole band just goes what? Yeah, and that's the last we hear of it. And they appear to be fine with it after that. Again, <laughs> we didn't need that. Yeah. So I, I would like to have seen this a little trimmer. Um, mm. The Carrie Fishy parts leave it in. I mean, again, the 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 wily coyote ness yeah. of it is a lot of fun, and we do have to. Although there's no like, there's literally no reaction. She shoots a bazooka at the building, yeah. destroys it, and they just sort of get up and leave. No one questions who did that. Why did that happen? They just sort of even there are cops <laughs> in the building. They brush the rubble off like, oh well. Well, that happens. It really is. It's like a cartoon. It's like you expect to see them crawl out in little stars going around their heads. Well, and that point where there's part of one of the most expensive car chases ever <laughs> and the Illinois Nazis go shooting yeah. off this unfinished ramp on a highway yep. boy do they gain a lot of altitude before they crash yeah. land in spoiler Milwaukee uh, yeah. <laughs> it's like they literally go up about what 10,000 500 feet 500 feet a thousand feet it's hard but that that moment is one of my that has my favorite laugh out loud moment in there and the you know Henry Gibson and this Gruppenführer yeah. are about to fall to their deaths, and the Gruppenführer literally a second before the car hits turns to him and goes, "I've always loved you," and Henry Gibson's expression of "I don't know what to do with this" <laughs> no. is perfect. Yeah. Uh, just out of curiosity, I because I sometimes I do this and sometimes I forget. Did you um? Write down any of your favorite lines from this film. I know you'll probably oh, just sure. know some of them. Give us oh, some of sure. your favorite lines from this film. We're on a mission from God. Yeah. I just love the way he says that. And of course, the one everyone always quotes, 
It's 106 miles to Chicago. We got a full tank of gas, half a pack of cigarettes. It's dark, and we're wearing sunglasses. Yeah. I love I love those moments. I also like use of unnecessary violence <laughs> in the apprehension of the Blues Brothers has been approved. That was one of mine. <laughs> and I, I just when the SWAT yep. team is there, that cracks me up. I've seen it so many times. I I lose it every time because they look so damn serious for, and for no it's, reason because the army guys don't do it just the SWAT team no just the SWAT team <laughs> um, I had a, what about you I, what about you, you I had a couple others? yeah so I, yeah. one of them is very early on when Frank Oz is going through the contents of oh, the folder yes. and he goes one <laughs> prophylactic unused and then he hands it over then we cut to something else and then we come back and one soiled. <laughs> like, yeah. um, Which he picks up with his pen as, with this look of utter distaste. Well, not only has it been used, but it's been in there for three years. <laughs> Yuck. <laughs> There's one point where they were ta- where the, the brothers mm. are talking to each other, and I'm going to have to bleep mm-hmm. this, but uh, Elwood turns to Jake oh. and said, I took the liberty of bullshitting you. Oh, that's right. They're doing the car chase through mm. the mall, and <laughs> John Belushi's character, no, I think it's Dan McRoy, just, just yeah. says, huh, lots of space in this mall. <laughs> I love the little deadpan commentary as they are panicking people, crashing through the windows, yeah. driving literally through a mall, which let which I'm sorry has been one of my fantasies my whole life. <laughs> and they're just going, eh, baby clothes. This mall has everything. Pier <laughs> <laughs> uh, one imports. It was a mall. It was a real mall. It just had been closed, but yes. reopened. Because if yes. you look at those stores, it's like that's not a real story. The only one I knew was J.C. <laughs> Penny, but the rest of them were like... Well, there was a Pier 1. I knew yeah, was. yeah, but if you looked at the sign, it's like, that's not a Pier 1 sign. They made no. that up. There's <laughs> one where they, they're trying to find their band members, and they go to this one house, and the woman there says, are you the police? And they respond, no, ma'am, we're musicians. <laughs> <laughs> um, there's a sign oh. for the Holiday Inn that says, welcome exterminators in the Armada Room. <laughs> <laughs> um, and we have, of course, the oh, very... I also... I, here, don't cut me off. Oh. You'll get your chance. <clears throat> we get the very, very often quoted, and what kind of music do you usually have here? Oh. We have both kinds, country yeah. and Western. Yep, that was what I was going to bring up. Go ahead. Uh, no, no, that was what I was going to oh. bring up, that one. <laughs> and I think that was it for my written down quotes, because yeah. there are some really good quotes in this film. There are. There are a lot of them. I love the scene in Bob's country bunker or whatever. I, I honestly, when I was when I first watched this, I was just spellbound by them doing Rawhide. Yeah, I had never heard that song. Oh, you never I heard Rawhide? TV show. No, that was the first time, and I was like, "What is this?" It's a TV show, one and, of many, many. Yeah, westerns. I know, I know. Rowdy Yates, yeah, Clint Eastwood, yeah. Smile but, when you see that. Uh, Look, just briefly, I'd like to touch on John Landis because I noticed from the sure. beginning of the film. It's really interestingly filmed. It's very stark. Mm. There's odd angles and dark lighting, which is very atypical for a comedy, unless you've seen other of John Landis's films like yeah. American Werewolf in London and Animal yes. House, as we said, Sierra yes. Terra episode in Animal House. Somehow yep. we haven't done American Werewolf. I also forgot yeah. that he directed Kentucky Fried Movie, which is why he got Animal uh, House. And oh. I didn't realize for some reason that while the Abram Zucker and Zucker did yeah. Kentucky Fried, they didn't do Amazon Women, but he did. Yeah, yeah, that's why it's similar, but not as funny. And I think, and he also was very, he's sort of like the original proponent of humor and horror mixing together, which is, you know, how we get mm. Amazon, or and not Amazon Women, how yeah, we got Amazon American Women, Werewolf. Sure. And of course, now there's been a lot more of that and since this came out. Oh, yeah. And he has a really interesting... I think, directorial style, which is not one you would generally choose for comedy. Mm. And I think, especially because you're doing stuff with blues and rhythm blues music, and it's meant to be a poor section of town, a poor level of society, that it ends up working really well. Even when he sort of throws that all out the window and we get to the car chase scene and it's just sort of broad daylight and it's just like... Then it, yeah. Then it's just a Warner, the whole thing becomes a Warner Brothers cartoon. It's just as ridiculous. The Blues Mobile, which is, by the way, supposed to be, yeah, they were they were supposed to be an additional scene where they imply the car is somehow magic. Well, they don't have to imply it. Yeah. <laughs> Although I do love the moment when they finally get to the Cook's, the Cook County Clerk's office, they get out of the car, and the car disintegrates. It just falls apart. Yeah. And Ackroyd just stands there looking heartbroken. Yeah. Um. I 
now that you told me the bit about the Spielberg and Landis being in a little sort of friendly game mm. of who can spend more, the end of the film to me, my note was they literally just throw more and more money at the screen because I yep, don't want to know over the top. what they had to charge for them to film that much of downtown Chicago. They had to donate $50,000 to a, a city charitable fund, which was somewhere the equivalent of like seven million dollars. That was on now. top of the three million in fees they paid. But then, yes. the, as you pointed out, there was what a hundred and three cars were destroyed. Yes. But then there's all these extras, which were apparently were pulled from things like the National Guard, the actual cops. They use a tank. Yeah. They bring an actual battle tank onto the on a Dealey Plaza. Like you can just hear Landis going, "Yeah, we have a hundred and fifty cops, and then and, and some <laughs> army guys, and 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 a tank, and and, and a, a SWAT helicopter, team. I want a SWAT team." And I want to rappelling down the building. Yeah, woo! But like somebody get John some take the cocaine away from John, please. Yeah, good luck with that. But what yeah. also ends in that scene where just as Steven Spielberg stamps the receipt, yep. Bill paid, and you hear the click, and Elwood <laughs> looks up, and you pull back, and there's like every <laughs> law enforcement person possible aiming a gun at them. I'm, I'm also I remember watching it this time and thinking. They know that if they fire, they'll kill Steven Spielberg too, right? <laughs> Maybe they just Maybe seen that was the idea. <laughs> and then yeah, 1941. 1941, yeah. But and I am sorry, I love the way the movie ends. When they cut to them doing jailhouse rock yeah. in a jailhouse, and the whole prison is just dancing. By the way, the guy, the first guy to leap up on the table and start dancing, that is Joe Walsh. Who's that? From the Eagles. Oh, that Joe Walsh. Yes. Well, good thing he was there jumping up on a table. <laughs> yep. I want to say, yeah. of the Blues Brothers numbers I've seen, mm. honestly, yeah. I think that was the best one. I think they did their mm. best work in that song. I think, honestly, John Belushi nailed it. I like their version of Sweet Home Chicago. I think it's really good. And of course, Elwood, which isn't in this movie, his version of Rubber Biscuit is so right. much fun. That's true. Um, one real quick thing before we have to blank mm. up is, yep. I want to ask yep. you a question. Yeah. Who's the villain in this movie? Mm. There isn't really a villain. Oh, there is. It's all circumstance. Oh, no, there's definitely a villain in this film. But it's not obvious. And when you brought up a point of trivia, I'm like, oh, really? So it's not yeah, the okay. Cook County Assessors, who, right? Who do, you, who do you think is the villain? Well, it's not the Cook County Assessors, right? Because they're just doing no. their job. It's like, you owe this money. It's not the law yeah. enforcement, because let's face it, they deserve everything they got. <laughs> It's the Catholic Church. The Catholic Church has abandoned oh. this orphanage. Oh, that's true. They want to sell it. Uh, by the way, in the original draft yeah. of of uh, Ackroyd's, the story was supposed to be that the Illinois Nazis were going to buy the orphanage and turn it into their headquarters. That might I actually, think would have been an un. That, that might have worked a little better. It might have, because let's face it. Um, I've been to the Vatican. They've got mm -hmm. five thousand dollars. <laughs> they got, yeah. And they, they got the money. And they don't. There's like no. It's not like oh, we're going to move you to a different neighborhood. Oh, we're going to have this other facility. It's just like nap, nap. That's mm. what the booker said. And off they go into well, nowhere. We it's weird that uh, the Vatican newspaper thinks it's a great film for Catholics. I just think it's not that obvious. But I thought about it and thought about it. And it's like oh, huh. it's the church. If they had just been okay. willing to pony up a few thousand bucks, these orphans wouldn't be thrown on the street. <laughs> Yeah, so, but man, we are. No, it's a good point. Good point. But we are we are out of time. Let's uh, wrap it up. The finish. So Max. Yeah. I'm like, why am I asking this question? I yeah. know the answer. Max, do you like this movie? I friggin' love this movie. Does it hold I up? I never get to. <laughs> yes. I I got to admit. I mean, after a while, some of the lines that you know are coming get a little dull. I never get tired of the music. Yeah. I'm sitting. I'm dancing in my seat when i watch this yeah oh god when when ray charles is doing shake your shake the tail feather yep. and when aretha franklin is singing think that was the first time i heard that song and i was like oh my god what is this i i, th I really think it holds up i really think it's great what about you well real quick do you think it would still yeah. appeal to a modern day audience i think so I think that some, let's face it, slapstick humor, which there is a lot of in here, is kind of timeless. <laughs> There's not a lot of humor here that's dated. Not really, just the time no. period. But the time period. Would cell phones have really changed much? No, probably not. Not a lot. No. 
I, yeah, I think it. I think it would hold up. And even if people aren't big fans of blues and rhythm and, or blues and soul in general, I think this movie would still work. I, this this is a great sampler. If you want to see, so like, what's some really good blues? Watch the movie and sit back. What about you? Yeah, I, I sometimes good music is just good music, and it doesn't matter where it comes from. And there's an energy and a passion that exists, which is why I think I wanted to come back to the commitments. I think I, there's echoes of this film mm. in the commitments, which basically somebody yes. loves this thing and they somehow want to make this thing and they make this thing. And that's kind of mm. what the Blues Brothers do. And I'm not saying it's a direct ripoff or anything. I just... Well, no, the commitments is a lot more realistic. Yes. This is a fantasy. Of course it I is. Mean, this, well, and yeah. the, the, the commitments is all just literally about what happens when you try to get a bunch of disparate people together to make a band. Yeah. Can they hold together... Spoiler, no. <laughs> yeah. But they sure sound great when they're doing it. Cause, they do. Yeah, I have seen this film literally once before this. Oh, wow. And it was on videotape okay. in the 80s some point. And I was worried that this is a film that just wasn't going to work or was. You know those films that you was like, oh, I loved this film. And then you see it 30 yeah. years later and it's like, oh. You're always afraid. It's like, yeah. what was wrong with me? Yeah. The only thing I will say is if you've got a choice... Watch the theatrical version. Don't watch the yes, extended version. The unrated. Because for me, there are points that just kind of drag that we don't yeah. need. If we're not going to explore the characters, and I don't think we need to, and I can't believe I'm saying this, <laughs> then don't add things that are going to explore the characters. That's not what this movie's about. Yeah. This movie's about the music, yep. and it's about, honestly, it's about a car chase. This film is almost entirely a two-hour car chase. And that's fine Pretty much. because it's done with style, it's done with fun, and it's done with passion. And those things work. Except for the pacing, which again, I think needs to be mm. tightened. Yeah, I think you could release this today. And yeah. it'd be great for people to see some of these performers at their peak. Um, some could argue that, oh, well, Aretha Franklin's peak was the 60s or maybe the 70s. But I'm sorry, she's doing just fine in this. She did fine. She did not lose it. I mean, even Cab Calloway uh, is Cab Calloway, who was like four at that point, like 40, 50 years in it, into his career. Yeah. He still has it. He's still got the joy and the energy. And Ray Charles never lost it, right up until the very end. And John Lee that Hooker, was, who most people probably oh. don't know, but it's like, why is blues oh such God. a thing? Listen to this it's man. It's him. It's him. <laughs> yeah. Among other people, I mean, it could have been Lightning Hopkins oh, or Howlin' yeah. Wolf or a whole bunch of other people, but it doesn't sure, matter because it's the real yeah. thing. Is this movie kind of just a vehicle for the music? Kind of. Kind of, but you, you don't care. No. And it, there's mm. enough, just enough of a plot and this is a very yeah. thin plot that you're brought along the action's really good there's some really funny lines you're watching two performers pretty much at the top of their game john belushi and dan yep. Aykroyd. yep so i yeah i think it holds up i was really worried that it wouldn't i was really like uh, you know this is not it's an old film and but i think it does so mm -hmm. that's our vote for this week but uh, um if you yep. would do so kind of favor as to go over there the poll is. question well, just because you want me to do it so much, You're not going I'm not to do gonna. it. Yeah. Yeah. Santa's really getting off on this. Yeah, enjoy that case of bumpy pucks. Just saying. <laughs> uh, no, our, our poll question this week is: What movie soundtrack made you go? I have got to listen to more of this person's music or this genre of music. What m movie started you on a musical journey? And you can answer this by emailing us at us at maxmikemovies.com. Or you can go to our website, maxmikemovies.com, and leave a comment. We, the question will be up on the book of the facings. Facebook. And it's called Facebook. Don't listen to Max never, Facebook. Never bite me, Zuckerberg. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, you can leave it in the uh, Facebook group, Max Mike Movies. We'll leave a comment there. We're on uh, all sorts of podcast apps, many and varied though they are. We're not on YouTube Music for some reason, at oh, least not yet. Huh, weird. I don't know why. Maybe on Google Podcasts, but not YouTube Music. Don't know why. I hope it changes because Google Podcasts is going away. Oh, that's mm -hmm. dumb. <laughs> yes, it's being folded into YouTube Music, so I hope that uh, we end up there. We'll oh, see. Yeah. If not, you uh, make sure you go and write to Sergey Brin and all of the Google people and make them put us in. Sure. Because that's how it works. Uh-huh. <laughs> Dear Google. But, yeah. Dear Mr. Google. <laughs> How do you know it's not Miss uh, Google or Mrs. Yeah. Ms. Google? Nope, not because uh, all the guys who invented it are guys. Mm, I remember I the, the only sexist. name I remember is Br 
<laughs> I, only name I remember is Bryn, but there were three of them and they were all men. Yeah. Sorry. Could be Mrs. Uh, mm -hmm. But we are just getting started with what's so funny, and we've already seen a couple of things that are. What are we seeing next? Not next nope. week, but in two weeks. Yep. Because we're moving our offices back from yes. Scottsdale, Arizona, way back yeah. to, um, well, we don't know yet. Uh, we lost yeah. our lease. So yeah, the, just too, also just too many damn scorpions. Yeah. Um, so we are moving mm -hmm. out of our headquarters yes. to the other place, which shall be determined. We're looking at Schenectady, but uh, we'll see. Yeah, it's hard to pronounce. It is. So we're going to move on to the third part of this series. We had mm -hmm. one from me, or I chose, yep. I wanted to see this film called Pop Star, Never Stop, Never Stopping. <laughs> Max <laughs> wanted to see the Blues Brothers, more of a classic yep. or older comedy film. And I want to take a mm -hmm. suggestion from one of you. So mm -hmm. next episode's film is your mm -hmm. fault. <laughs> <laughs> in this case, I would like to thank one of our longtime listeners, many time uh, commenters, Dave, Dave, for bringing up the German. No, I'm not going to go for it. <laughs> I'm oh, not sure we God. can find it. You're not going to do one of Werner Herzog's wackier films? That would be Vince's uh, choice, I'm yeah. sure, because he does love a good yeah. Werner Herzog comedy. Uh, yeah. Are there any? Yeah, does anybody die in them, or does everyone die in them? No, I. But in funny ways. I, yeah. I would actually like to take. Take a little trip, if we could. Take a little trip? Take a little trip with me? He? No. But I would like to take a, li all, a little yeah. Euro trip. A film I Ooh. have never heard of or seen, but if it's got Matt Damon singing in it, I want to... Matt Damon! Matt Damon! <laughs> <laughs> I want to see... I know nothing about this film, but Dave likes okay. it, and as Dave has said, yeah. he doesn't watch many comedies, so there is a source yeah. for me. Okay, that works. And remember, Scotty doesn't know. And take a trip with us next time to Europe. This has been a co-production of The Voice of Max and The Movie Wrench. 